success is earned. And, and really, I got the idea a number of years. Uh, John Maxwell wrote a book called The Success Journey. The Success Journey. And the whole premise of the book, the whole concept is that success is not a destination. Uh, you know, it's a journey. And uh, if, if you think about it, you know, in, in our life, uh, success is not really a place, is not a place you get to, it's not a position or a title that you achieve. And Because I think in the American mentality, we're, we want to be, we're a success-driven society, and we're always looking for markers to measure our success. And, and we're always kind of comparing ourselves to other people, which is really a, a dangerous thing, because if you compare yourself to someone who's down here, you, you think higher of yourself. If you compare yourself with someone up here, you know, you, you might feel bad about yourself. And so, uh, it, think about this. If success were a destination, what would you do once you reached it? I mean, if it was, there was a marker, I mean, what if you were ambitious and you got there at 35? What are you going to do the rest of your life, you know? Uh, and so, it, it's, not, it's not a place you arrive to. It, it, it's going through the journey of life. And think about this, because, in, in, you know, I'm just going to introduce a series today, and then for the next four or five weeks we'll talk about it. But, but think about this for a minute. In an area of our life, we want to be successful. And what I would say in America, uh, many times we, we have, if I can do this, if I can get here, then I'm a success. And I, I'm going to try to just demolish your your, your concept or your definition of success so we can go to the Bible and really look at, you know, what success is. Uh, think about parenting. We, I know we have a lot of parents because I know we have a lot of kids back there uh, right now. But, what, you know, what is success as a parent? You probably haven't said it out loud, but you probably think about it some. I mean, no one wants to be a bad parent, uh, but think about it. If you have young kids, maybe say like, well, man, if I can just get my kids potty trained, and teach them to read. <clears throat> I'm successful. Hey, I was there. I was there. I was like, man, all three of my kids are potty trained and they can read. I am something, you know. And how many know, but that's not really that great of an accomplishment. Uh, my child graduated, well, actually, it could be if you're there. Yeah, it's a great accomplishment. My child graduated from elementary school into in the middle school. Or my child graduated from high school. Or my child just finished a degree from a prestigious college, you know. At what point do you consider yourself a success? And, of course, successful parenting, in my opinion, is when your children become successful in their own unique journey of life. To see them begin to thrive, to see them begin to excel <clears throat> in their journey of life. And we're supposed to mentor them through the process. So, uh, you know, you're never, you're never done parenting. And uh, that just scared a bunch of people. You have young kids and you're waiting for that day, huh? Well, what, what is success as a married couple? You know, it's a lot of times people say, well, if you get that one anniversary milestone, if you get the 25-year milestone, you know what a lot of people get divorced after the 25-year milestone? <clears throat> yeah. That's about the time that kids leave in the house and they, they, they feel like they have less commitment, less, less things, and, and, and a lot of people divorce after 25 years. Um, you know, it's not attaining a certain amount of material possessions, having a house, having cars, having things. I just want to say, you, can, you, could, you could be a success biblically without, without having hardly any money. Material things don't make you successful. Of course, well, what, what is successful marriage? 
it's, it's loving one another for a lifetime and setting an example for others to follow. So in essence, you're never done. You're, you're, you're never done uh, on the road to a successful marriage. And what is a successful career? You know, well, it has nothing to do with the amount of money that you make uh, or even the career fields you choose to work in. It's really, it's about doing your job with excellence. It's about helping those around you. And it's about treating people with love and respect for the entirety of your career. You know, what, 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 what would it mean to be a successful Christian? How would I mark or label myself as, as a mature Christian, as somebody who succeeded in their Christian walk with the Lord? Well, listen, I'm going to tell you this as a pastor. It's certainly not how long you've been saved. You know, I, I had this, this one couple, they were always quick about saying, well, we've been a Christian for 35 years, so one day their pastor, and it wasn't me, one day their pastor got tired of hearing that, and they said, you may have been a Christian for 35 years, but you've repeated the same year for 35 years. <clears throat> in other words, you haven't grown, you haven't challenged yourself in your Christian walk. And of course, uh, it, it's about seeking and pursuing God for a lifetime. It's about reading God's Word and applying it to your life. It's about serving others in humility. It's, it's, it's making God the center of your life, of your time, talents, and treasures. <clears throat> so success is not an award you get in this lifetime, but really it's, about what, it's a really about what people say about you when you go into eternity. You know, it's an amazing thing. It, it, it's, it's an amazing thing. When I do funerals, I have never buried, I've never done a funeral of a bad person. You know, sometimes I'll get a call, and it's somebody I don't even know, and they need someone to go do a funeral, and I go, and man, by all accounts, this person was not a good person. Like, they, they, you know, they walked out on their family, you know, all these things, but it's funny, people, at least at the funeral during the grieving time, they say uh, just flattery about them, but do you know that a week after that funeral, the reality sinks in? So, so being a success is not something that you or I can even label about ourselves. It's about what people say about us uh, when, when, when we go into eternity. And most importantly, it's about what Jesus says to us when we see him face to face. And so the, the success journey, success is earned. Let's talk about this. I remember I was 19 years old when my grandfather died, my, my, my dad's father. And, uh, you know, I knew he was a good person. Uh, you know, he, he had, uh, he seemed to, you know, I, at least I thought he was, he went to church every Sunday, he was a deacon at the First Baptist Church in Port Arthur, Texas for, for 45 or 47 years, so by all accounts, I mean, by the outside, I figured he was a good person, but I, I was 19 years old, and at his funeral, after his funeral, I had the grand, me and some of the other grandkids were sitting around, and we had person after person after person come and tell us personal stories of something my granddad had done for them. One, one mother came up and she said, you know, I was a single mom, my husband walked out on me, and your granddad made sure we had food for months. He would bring groceries anonymously, he would do things. Someone else told me that there was a storm and their house had collapsed and my grandfather came, you know, basically every afternoon and weekends and brought a crew of people uh, to rebuild that house, and it took months to do that. And, and I would hear people, you know, say all kind of things. Your grandfather would pay for my cars to get fixed, 
And um, then at the very end, the pastor. Now, I want you to know that a lot of people may know a lot about you, but your pastor knows more about you than anyone else. And the, the, there was a joke one time that, you know, what do you do if you want to find out about somebody? Kidnap their pastor. I just want you to know, if someone starts torturing me, I'm a weak person. I'm just going to talk. I am going to sing like a canary, man. Oh, Hugh, yeah, I got a list on him, you know. And, uh, but their pastor came up, and, and, and the pastor said, you know, I just want you all to know that I wish every one of my members were like your granddad. He would give donations. He was generous. He served with a good attitude. He never complained. He was here. I could count on him when something needed to be done. And, and so what I want you to know is that, you know, my granddad, he didn't do that till he was 30 or 40 or 50. He did this stuff till he breathed his last breath. That's what success is. You're never off the hook. It's, it's really success is about growing day by day, month by month, year by year. That's why I'm always challenging you. Where you're at right now, I want you to be farther at the end of the year. So what are you doing today to challenge yourself, really to step up? You know, how can I be a better father? How can I be a better husband? You know, how can I be a better wife? How can I be a better parent? How can I be a better Christian? How can I serve my church better? How can I serve my community better? Success doesn't get to a place and just, and just ride it out. Success is, man, I want to improve and do better. So we've said this, success is a journey and not a destination. And Here's the deal. You, as we're going through, just evaluate your journey where you are in life right now. And some of you may say, I'm doing pretty good. Others of you may be saying, I'm not doing very good. But even if you're doing great right now, we cannot label ourselves a success during the middle of the journey. We've got to finish it out. We've got, we've got to finish it out. And, and um, so, uh, you know, basically... If I'm doing good now, how can I do better? How can I grow? How can I help more people? How can God use me, use me better? See, really, God wants to, his whole goal for you is to get you in a position where he can use you. A lot of Christians, they never get out of, of working on themselves so that God can really use them. Are you okay? Are you okay? Am I making you think? And then success has to be earned. And here's the thing about success. You cannot inherit it from your family, from your mother or father, no, no matter how good they are. You can't buy success. The only way to become su successful is, is to earn it. And he, here's what I've learned. Successful people, if you study a long line of successful men and women, people who you say are successful, people who you think are what, what you'll find is they, there's a common denominator. They have the same character traits. They have the same values that, that, they're, that, they're, that they are living out. And uh, so basically, if you go through the Bible and study all, the, all, the, all of the successful men and women of the Bible, what you'll find is they were all imperfect. They all messed up, and, and, and the Bible's very clear about the mess-ups of the matriarchs and patriarchs of the Bible. But you'll find some characters characteristics that distinguish them from other people. And so it, it's our character, it's our value, it's our morals, it's how we live our lives that allow us to earn the mark 
of success. So I'm, I'm just wanting you to think about that. And what I'm going to do this morning and during this series is I'm going to be focusing on the life of Joseph. He's an Old Testament character. And uh, first of all, he's one of my favorite Bible characters. But more than that, apart from Jesus, he may be the best example of success we have in the Bible. And here's why. From the beginning to the end, from birth until death, his journey is just, it's just increasing. It's on an upcline. He never really has any big downfalls. He never has any major breakdowns in his character. A lot of Bible characters do. But from start to finish, if you read the whole story of Joseph, and I encourage you to, it's from Genesis 37 uh, through 50, uh, Chapter 38 is not about the life of Joseph, so chapter 37 and 38 through 50 of the book of Genesis. If you read, I encourage you this week as we're, as we're going to start talking about this series, just to read about the life of Jesus. So let me, I mean, it was just incredible. He had no major flaws, no major breakdowns. And how he responded to adversity is unparalleled. I mean, maybe there's Job who, who took it to another level. But I mean, the, and so... We're going to learn how to be successful when adversity comes. How to be successful when life is not going our way. Our way. How to be successful when others lie about us, when they cheat about us, when they defraud us. How to be successful when we're accused of doing something that we, that we didn't do. And it's just a phenomenal story. And so let me introduce, many of you may know about the life of Joseph. Some of you may not. So I'm going to read a, a chapter uh, a part of the chapter here, just to kind of explain his family history, his background, and, and we'll just be building on this each week. Genesis chapter 37, verse 1 through 11, it says this, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan, and this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bila and the sons of Zilpha, and so Jacob later whose name became Israel, he had, he had two wives, um, Rachel and Leah, and then when they quit having children, he, he, he took their, their maids as well. Each one gave them as maid as well. So uh, it says his father's wives, and he, he, he brought their father a bad report about them. How many of your kids ever come running in and says, oh, Timothy did this, Timothy did this? And what do you, either, what, you either go to Timothy or, or you say, and get over it, go work it out, right? So, so Joseph brought a bad report about his brothers. And, um, and he says, now Israel, that's Jacob, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he had made an ornate robe for him, a, a multicolored robe, a special robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved them, loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they could not speak a kind word to him. And one day Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And, uh, you know, how, how many of you, it would have been well with you growing up if your brother or sister had come to you and said, Man, hey, I had this dream. You're going to bow down to me. Like, it's just not going to go very well. So, 
you know, I think one, one thing we learn here is that it would have probably been better for Joseph to keep that part of the dream to himself. But anyway, it's out there now. But then it goes farther than that. Then he has another dream. And he told it to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. He had 11 brothers, by the way. Uh, and when he had told his fathers, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, you know, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so, you know, this is kind of the start that basically God gave Joseph a dream, a vision. And, and basically the vision was not just rulership, it was leadership. I'm going to put you in a position of leadership. And, and you're going you're gonna to lead your brothers and your family, which it did come to pass. In fact, as a matter of fact, Joseph really was, was leading, um, you know, Egypt and, and all the nations around that came to him because of the famine. So Joseph was raised in a large family. There were 12 brothers in total, and he had one sister, and he was the 11th son. Only his brother Benjamin was younger than him. And as you go through the story, I'm just, obviously we can't read it all today. So what happens is, in the course of time, Joseph's brothers, he goes to check on them, and his older brothers, they sell him into slavery. There's a band of Ishmaelites going down, and they sell Joseph to them, and Joseph is taken by them to Egypt and sold to a man named Potiphar. And so God starts to use him, and he becomes in charge of Potiphar's house. He's running all of Potiphar's estate, and we know that Potiphar's a very, he's a very important man. He's a very influential man. He's, he's the captain of Pharaoh's guard. He's going in. He's seeing Pharaoh. He's in the courtyard. He's a, he's a very, he's high up in the nobility. And he, he runs all of Potiphar's estate. And then one day, the Bible says that Joseph was, was, was very handsome. He was a very good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife, we don't know her first name, but Ms. Potiphar, uh, I guess she, she kind of, she had the hots for him. That's the only way you can say it. And, and she, she, tries, she tries to have an affair with him. Joseph rejects her. And so she tells her husband that he actually, she accused him of sexual assault. So jo Joseph goes from being in charge of them, he goes into prison. Well, in prison, in prison he becomes the, the head. The, the warden puts him in charge of everything. And it was, it was the, a prison where the king's officials uh, were, were sent to. And one day a, a cupbearer and a baker, uh, they, they are thrown in there. And they, they have these disturbing dreams. And Joseph, he interprets both the dreams and they come true. Uh, the cupbearers return to his, his, du his duty of placing the cup for the king. And the, the baker, uh, he ended up getting hung from a tree, but that's for another day. Um, and Joseph told the cupbearer, do not forget me when you get out of here. And, of course, several years go by, and Pharaoh has a dream that no one can interpret. And the cupbearer says, man, today I'm reminded of my sins. There's this guy, this Hebrew guy in prison that interpreted my dreams. And, of course, Joseph is cleaned up, he's brought before Pharaoh, he interprets his dream, and he's placed in second command in the prime minister over Egypt, the most powerful country of the day, and Pharaoh puts his signet ring on Joseph's hand, and so that's, that's kind of how, how the story goes, and 
you know, Joseph, the, the story of Joseph is so compelling to me because of all the adversity that he went through in his life. And um, here's something you have to understand. To be successful, we can't do anything we want just because we're treated wrong. That doesn't give us the right to fly off the handle. It doesn't give us the right to use profanity. It doesn't give us the right to talk bad about our bosses or bad about people. And one thing, if you read the story of Joseph, and all these things that happened to him, he's just focused on the present and the future. He's not living in the past. The past has happened. The past is over. And, and he learns uh, to move on. But this story is so compelling. He's sold into slavery by his own family. He's thrown in prison for a crime that he did not commit. He's forgotten in prison after he interpreted the dream of the king's officials. And eventually he's given the second highest position in the most powerful country of the day. So Joseph's success, it was not an accident. As you read the story, you realize that Joseph, Joseph earned the success that God gave him because of how he lived. And so I, what I want to say to you today, that every one of us, here's one thing that's true about life, every one of us can choose to go down the journey of success. It's not, there's not a blockade. As a matter of fact, you're the only blockade. You're the only blockade. And it doesn't matter if you have adversity. It doesn't matter if you were raised in a poor family or it doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are. None of that matters. All that matters is this. Are you willing to live your life in a way to earn success? Are you willing to live your life in a way so that God, so that God can promote you, so that God's favor can be upon your life? See, I, I, hear, I hear people talk. And, you know, many of them aren't Christians. I just want to say this. The Bible is full of examples of God promoting people that were sold into slavery in different countries, and God promoted them. So I just want you to know, it does, our success is not based off our government. Our success is not based off of your past. Our success is not based on the things that have happened to you up to this point. Our success is based upon living a, a life that's right before God and, and, and living, having enough character to earn it. When, when, when we live the right way, God will bless us and, and pour blessings on his life. So we're going to talk about one principle today and from the life of Joseph, and we'll do some more next week. The, the first principle is the foundation that we have to start is that success is earned by faithfulness. Success is earned by faithfulness. Uh, successful people make a habit of being faithful wherever God places them. Well, here's what I hear. Well, I don't like where God's placed me. He didn't ask you if you liked it. He asked you to be faithful. He didn't ask, I mean, there, throughout life it's impossible to end up in positions we like all the time. Sometimes the position you don't want to be in, you are placed there by God to see, am I, are you going to have a good attitude? Are you going to serve them? Are you going to be faithful and consistent right where he's placed you? I'm sure Joseph did not like being in a bandwagon going to Egypt. He wasn't happy about his brothers selling him. And he's, matter of fact, he was probably thinking, those jokers didn't get near enough for me. I'm oh, sorry, jokers. He didn't like being bought and being a slave by Potiphar. He didn't like being put in prison. He didn't like being forgotten in prison. But he didn't let the past. He didn't let the things that didn't work out uh, impede him from going to where God wanted him to be. 
So successful people, they don't wait for the right opportunity to come. They become faithful in every opportunity. If you're waiting for your ship to arrive, if you're waiting for the right opportunity, you have the wrong, you have the wrong thing. You have to make the opportunity that you have right now, where you're placed, you have to make that the opportunity. But Terry, it's not good. Make it good. Well, I'm not treated well. Well, treat everyone else well. I'm just saying we, we, have, to, we have to grow where we're planted, right? We, have to, we can't wait for the right opportunity. See, the right opportunity, the, Joseph, if he would just sat around saying, well, one day I'm going to be a leader, one day my brother's going to bow down to me. See, that vision, that vision of his success was based on his ability to be faithful. And a lot of times God says things to us, but, but God isn't just going to take us to the final destination. We have to grow in every opportunity to get to where God wants us to be. I'll never forget this. When I was, I was working my way through college, and uh, I actually had a really good job, and I worked for a floor company. And I, I worked for a guy. He was, he was a, a tremendous entrepreneur. He would just start a business he, he had never done before. He'd grow the business and sell it. That's just, he, he was a pretty young guy. Maybe he was in his mid-30s, and I was, I don't know, 20. And so anyway, he had a, he had a company that we had a contract with a hospital, cleaning all the floors, buffing the floors, stripping and waxing the floors. And then we cleaned uh, carpets too, repaired carpet, all kind of things like that. And it was actually a very good job. I earned good money, and it was very flexible. So that was going well, and I was actually doing, we were doing very well for a college student. And then about a year and a half down the line, I, I think I worked for him for three, three and a half years, about a year and a half down the line, I, you know, I started getting an attitude toward my boss. And, you know, 20, 21 years old. Because what would happen is he, he was an incredible entrepreneur. He could just start anything. But believe it or not, he wasn't the most organized person. So he would come to a job. I mean, we'd, we, we worked all night, basically. He would, sh he would come to a job, and we wouldn't have enough mop buckets or enough mops, or we, we wouldn't have. And, and so, you know, after a while of that, you know, you know I, my 20-year-old my, my self, I said, well, man, Randy, you know, if you would come prepared, I could do my job more efficiently and effectively. And I probably didn't say it in the best tone or whatever. You know, I was probably uh, frustrated. And... He looked at me and he said, one of the best life lessons I ever, lost, I, I ever learned. He said, Terry, your job, your job is to do what I ask you to do. If I come late and don't have enough equipment, if you have to work longer, you just make more money. Your business is not to tell me how to run the company. Your business is to do whatever I ask you to do. And you know what? He was exactly right. He was exactly right. And I, and, and I think I said something like, that's a great point, Randy. That's a, great, that's a great view right there. Thank you for it. And, and, and we're still friends today, and, and we, we, sometimes we laugh about that. Hey, remember, that when you, remember when you taught me that lesson? And he never remembers it. I remember it, though. I remember it. So, but, but isn't it funny that we can have something when we're at a job for a while or we get caught in life, something that's really a pretty good deal for us, a really good opportunity, we can start to make less of that opportunity than God has for us. You know, again, the better I did for him, the more money he could make, the more money he kept giving me raises. And, and so it, it was a win-win deal. Now let's look at 
We're talking about faithfulness, being faithful. Faithfulness is the foundation of success. If you can't be faithful, you will never be successful. Just, I mean, write that down. That's a le- If you cannot be faithful where God has put you, you will never, you will never be successful. And we're going to see that the whole basis for Joseph climbing out of bad opportunities is because he was, he was just so incredibly faithful. Let's look at three examples. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 through 6, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of everything he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was upon everything Potiphar had, both in the house and the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So, I mean, I mean th- think about that. When you go to places, do, do, do people trust you? Do, do people have to micromanage you? Do people have to check in to see if you can get the job done? They had full confidence in him because he was faithful. Then he gets placed in prison. It says this, but while, Genesis 39, 20 through 23, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with him and gave him success in whatever he did. Let's go to the end, Genesis 41. This is after he interpreted the king's dream. So Joseph said it, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or a foot in Egypt. Several weeks ago, we were, we were talking, and, and I mentioned the Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents is about this. Jesus tells a story. There's a wealthy man that goes out of town, and he divided up his wealth between three people, and he gave five talents of gold or five bags of gold to one person, two bags or two talents to another person, and one talent to the third. And it says he, was, it said he gave it to them each according to their ability, and really, he gave it, he gave it to them uh, in the amount of the ability of faithfulness they had shown. And it says when he came back, the, the five, the guy who had five, he, get, he got five more. And, and the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
you've been faithful with a little bit, I'm going to give you more. Come share in my happiness. And the one that made two, had two bags, he made two more. And again, he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, I'm going to give you more. But the one who had one, the one talent, he went out and buried it in the ground. And he's like, man, you're wicked and lazy. You should have at least put it on interest with the bank so it, it could have made interest. And they took, they took the bag from him and gave it to the, the one who, who had gained five more. And, and, and there's a story there is that, let me, let me, let me rephrase this for a minute because um, success has nothing to do with how much money you make, how much possessions you have, how popular or famous you are. It has everything to do with your ability to be faithful. It has, listen, God is not going to say one day, oh, Terry, come on in here. You grew a church from zero to 500 or zero to 300 or you zero to, I'm not going to be judged on how many people there are in this church. I'm going to be judged on was I faithful to do what God asked me to do. And so our ability to succeed in life, it all comes down to are you faithful with what God has given you? If you're not faithful with what he's giving you, don't ask for more. Don't ask for more. If you can't manage and be faithful with where you are, why should you get more? More, more would just be an added responsibility on yourself. So in the story of Joseph, we see the truth of this parable, that Joseph was faithful with a little, and then he was a faithful, he, he kept getting chances. He kept getting chances. He was faithful in Potiphar's house, so then he went and got and put a, in charge of the whole prison. He was faithful to the prison. He came and he got put in charge of all, of all of, of all of Egypt. Now, do you think that Joseph learned how to be a leader by all those things he did? He learned how to be organized. He learned how to lead. He learned how to deal with people. He learned how to overcome adversity. And then he had a, a, a monumental task to do. I have a question. How many, how, how many Marine Corps people we have here? Just one? Just one Marine Corps? Ernie, I'm a little disappointed. I, come on now. Marine Corps, come on. Beat your chest. Hey, come on. I'm sorry. I just embarrassed them tremendously. I'll never do that again, Ernie. But the, the, what you see bumper stickers, the, the Marine Corps, the motto is what? Semper Fi. What, what, what is Semper Fi? Well, well, Fi is short for Fidelius. It's a term, and it, it, you know what that term means? It means always faithful. Always faithful. Here we learn today, here's the first, here's a principle that you can write down that no theologians know. Joseph was the first Marine, right here. He was always faithful. Everywhere he went, he was, he was, he was consistently faithful. So success, it's not about, it's really, it's not about talent, skill, ability, the family you come from, the foundation of success depends on our ability to be faithful. Now here's the simple truth. Every one of us in here can be faithful. We can choose to, we can choose to, be, to be faithful. We can, we can choose to do that. So faithfulness, faithfulness requires us to be consistently excellent. Consistently, that's tough to do. It is tough to be consistently excellent. So think about this. Let's go through our lives and our careers. Faithfulness, what, what, consistently excellent. Faithfulness means that, you know, we show up for work every day on time. 
not 80% of the time, not 30% of the time, that we come with the right attitude, that we give a maximum, we give the maximum effort, that we give our best effort all the time, not just when the boss, when the boss is around. You know, here, here, here's a simple truth. When you're consistently excellent at your job, your boss knows whether you're there or not, whether he or she are there or not. Word gets out. You, you just, I mean, they would watch Joseph and, man, every, they all said it, everything this kid does is incredible. He does, no, he takes no shortcuts. He's consistently faithful. You know, if you're a student, it, it means going to class every day, turning in assignments on time, reading the material. You know, many, many students try to turn it on at the end of the semester. I was, I know kids won't tell me, I was going to ask parents, parents, how many of your kids try to turn on the last semester? I'm not going to do that. I've already, I've embarrassed Ernie, that's enough today. That's one, per, one person enough. But think about this, I'll never forget when I was in college, uh, you know, I'm going to college and I went to Texas State, and I never forget, I had a biology class, and this one guy, he's actually kind of, he was actually kind of, an, uh, you know, obnoxious, and, and I, didn't, I didn't know much about him. He didn't come to class very much, and so after the first test, he said, he said, hey, he asked, he asked, hey, how many of y'all, how many of y'all made A's? And some people raised their hand. He's like, what'd you do? He's like, well, we start off, we read the material. You read the material? He's like, look, I just want to kick field goals for the football team. I just have to get a C. Who made C's? Who made C's? You know, and he went over there. And so, I mean, he's, he's starting at the, starting at the bottom there. And I told the guys, like, man, I hope we don't need a field goal to win any games this year. This cat's not going to be playing, you know. And uh, I, so after the, we took the final, and I, I saw him and said, hey, man, how'd you do? He's like, you know, I think I did pretty good. He said, you know, I, I didn't know how to spell all those long, you know, names in the biology class, you know, the animal kingdom, but I wrote real messy, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to get partial credit. <laughs> man, we have, we have a multitude of people going through life wanting partial credit. Wanting partial credit. How about, how about we just give everything we have? into something. It's not about being perfect, but it's about being consistently, consistently excellent. You know, how about, how about our spiritual journey with God? Faithfulness means that we're, that we're serious about our relationship with God. Can, can I tell you a sad truth? Here's a sad truth. Many Christians are only serious about their walk with the Lord when they're in trouble. I can't tell you how many times I don't see people for weeks or months, but when they're in trouble, they're going to dial me up. Man, if I, how'd you get my cell number? Well, man, I had to call 14 people. <laughs> I want to know who gave it to you because we're going to have a talk, right? But, but, but I mean, what it, what it, like if we're serious about, it's about pursuing God, having a relationship with Him. It's about, it's about um, making Him the priority of our, of our, of our lives, making time to spend with him in prayer and reading his word and serving others. And, you know, again, honestly, there's a lot of Christians who aren't getting their most out of their relationship with God because you only get out what you put in. You get out what, 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 you, what you put in. And so the question I have for you today, like Joseph, and just, just, just you don't have to answer this, but just ask yourself, are you consistently faithful? I mean, would your wife or husband say that you're consistently faithful? Would your job say that you're consistently faithful? Would your, would your kids say that? 
You know, and again, it's not about being perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But you can be faithful without being perfect. I mean, you can be faithful without being perfect. And the second thing is when, when we're faithfulness gives our leaders confidence in us. In every one of these examples we read this morning, we, we see that, that the people in charge of Joseph, they had full confidence in him. I mean, did they? They're like, man, with Joseph in charge, I don't worry about anything. They said that over and over and over again. And so, I mean, think about it. Think about this. When you're in charge, is your boss worried? Husbands, if your wife leaves you with the kids and she goes somewhere, is she worried? Never mind, that's not fair. That's not, that, that is not fair. That is not fair. I'll never forget, the, the, we, we, had, we had Terry and, and Tracy wouldn't leave. I'm like, he was, he was a little bitty. And so, maybe like just a week old or so, and I'm like, you need to go out, get out. And she's like, well, you think you'll be okay with him? I'm his dad. How tough can it be? And we had a good evening, and I'm telling you about 30 minutes before she came back, he started crying. Man, he started crying. And I'm telling you, I tried everything. I mean, I even begged him, I'm like, please, your mom's going to come home. She's going to see your eyes are all red. I mean, it wasn't just like, it's like a, ah, and they quit breathing. Ah, and the eye red. I was like, man, this is, I asked him, he wouldn't help me. I asked God, please, if you love me. Make him stop crying, please. Well, he didn't. He didn't. And uh, so Tracy walks in. I mean, she, when she pulled up outside the, our, our apartment, she heard him. And she walked in, and she's like, how long has he been like this? Oh, like, like 30 seconds. He just started. And she's like, no. Anyway, so she, she came in, and she, I mean, I tried everything. She said, you know, he's in one of those onesies. She's like, oh, he's hot. Unzipped him, and pulled him out in just his diaper, and he quit crying. That is sick right there. That is sick and deceitful. But I, but I mean, would the people in your life that know you, would they say that you're consistently faithful? Would, do they have confidence in you? And then here's, here's the last point I want to talk about. This is, this is so important. Uh, faithfulness, faithfulness, is more powerful than our past. The Bible is so redemptive. If we mess up, the Bible wants us to seek forgiveness. It wants us to make amends. It wants us to turn from our ways. But it, the Bible is so incredible that our past doesn't limit our future. And I want you to think about this. Let, let's think about this just for a minute. Joseph had a criminal record. He was labeled as a foreigner. He was labeled as a sexual predator. He was a convict. But his past could not compete with his faithfulness. You know, um, they, 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 uh, his faithfulness helped him to overcome his past deficiencies, labels, and track record. And so, I mean, here, here's the thing. May, maybe you have a past that you're not proud of. And I want to say that past could be true. Or that past could not be true. But if you have a past that, that you are not proud of, becoming consistently faithful in everything is more powerful than your past.
It's, it's more powerful. I mean, it couldn't, his, the, Joseph's past could not, could not hold him down. And, and this is so important. It's so important because I talk to people all the time, and it's almost like they want to quit trying because they're past. Listen, God can help you overcome your past. God can raise you above your past. But it requires us to be faithful. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. When Joseph was faithful, what Potiphar, what the prison warden, what Pharaoh, what they said was, you know, I know this has been said about him, but his actions declare that that's not true. The way he acts, the way he, he, he's faithful, he, he has more character than what they said he did. He has more character, character than just to be, you know, a, a low-term a low, a low um, slave. So success is a journey that starts with faithfulness. The, the foundation of success is built on our ability to live faithful lives. As we close, I'm going to have the worship team come up this morning. And, and I, just, I just want you to, I want you to begin to think about this. Begin, because the, the goal, obviously the goal for all of us is that God wants all of us to reach our full potential. God wants every one of us to reach our full potential. He wants all of us to be successful. And so, and God is going to help us as we do this. He's going to help us. But the one thing on us, the one thing that he will not do for us is our ability to, to, to be faithful. Would you stand with me? And would you just uh, just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute? And, and, and just as you're sitting here, just begin to, to evaluate your life. And you know there's probably some really good things, then there's probably some things that, that the Holy Spirit is just mentioning, talking to you that, man, I can, I, can, I can do better on that. I can, become, I can become more faithful this morning. So just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you for a moment, then we'll, we'll pray in just a minute. Thank you, Lord. God, we come before you. We realize that faithfulness, faithfulness is the pillar. It's the pillar of success, God. Everything is built on faithfulness, Lord. To be successful, we have to show ourselves to be, to be uh, faithful, just consistently excellent in everything we do. And church, I just wanted as with eyes closed and and heads bowed. How many of you here this morning say, you know, Terry, I, th there, there is at least one area of my life, there is one area of my life that, that I know that I need to improve my faithfulness. I, I, I can become more faithful. Would you just raise your hands, not to me, just to God. God, this morning we, we repent. We ask you to forgive us for areas of our life where we have just not been as faithful as we could have, Lord. And we ask you to forgive us. Lord, this morning, we pray that you would establish faithfulness as the pillar 
as the foundation in our lives. God, and we know from the life of Joseph, as we are faithful, Lord God, as we are faithful, Lord, it's your job to promote us. It's your job to give us favor. Lord, and just as Joseph, as he excelled in every, every opportunity he got, each opportunity was bigger. Each opportunity had more responsibility. God, I, I just pray, Lord, that even the parable of the talents, God, as we're faithful with a little, you'll give us more, Lord God. So right now, I just pray your blessings, your blessings over our life. In Jesus' name. So we're, we're, we're going on the journey of success. Success is earned. And each week, we're going to be talking about character qualities from the life of Joseph that I think just so, are so important in our lives. And uh, I know those, those of you here that are going to take the, that are taking the growth track, that'll start in about 10 minutes in the upstairs room. And I believe you can just take your, kid, your children to the preschool room downstairs. There'll be child care for them. How many of you were encouraged today? That's the goal. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.